I'm Frankie Mish from Sleep Waker, and you're listening to today's Boondoggle. What's going on, everybody? It's Bill Bailey with today's Boondoggle on Domain Cleveland Radio. I just wanted to take a minute in this little intro before the intro to give you an update on some of the things we got going on here at today's Boondoggle. And uh, we've recently uh, launched a email account so if you have any questions suggestions or comments you're enjoying the show you want to see something different you want to see certain guests on the show you can reach us at today's boondoggle at gmail.com and as you know the coronavirus lockdown has hit a lot of us uh, financially Um, boondoggle didn't escape it either and uh, if you want to support us financially so we can get you uh, these interviews that you enjoy each week uh, you can donate to our GoFundMe. There's a, a you get on GoFundMe. Look up today's Boondoggle. We got a GoFundMe that'll be ongoing, and um, as well as a Venmo, you can donate. If you use Venmo, go to Venmo domain or uh, today's Boondoggle, and then also there's our Anchor sponsorship on the Anchor app, Anchor.fm. Look up today's Boondoggle, and you can become a monthly sponsor to us there. Uh, as you know, this is a veteran-owned and operated program we got going on here. It's very been, man, incredibly therapeutic for a guy like myself who, you know, is a veteran with PTSD and anxiety. And, uh, just gets me out there talking with people and gets me out of my comfort zone, and it's been awesome. But uh, it all costs us, you know, to, the travel accommodations. To, to get to these interviews that you want to hear. So if you can help out anyway, we truly appreciate it. Um, also, please follow us on social media. It's at Today's Boondoggle. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Just please follow, subscribe, comment, comment. download the, the episodes. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, you know, any of the programs that you use to listen to your podcast. Please, please. Uh, do whatever you can to support us, and hope you enjoy this episode. Thanks. You got Thank you for tuning into this week's edition of today's Boondoggle. Domain Cleveland Entertainment is a veteran-owned and operated entertainment cornucopia of nonsensical shenanigans. You can find interesting interviews, music news, entertainment information, and just about everything else in between. Thank you again for tuning into the show here at Domain Cleveland. What's going on, everybody? It's Bill Bailey with today's Boondoggle. And I uh, have the pleasure of speaking with a legend in the music, underground music scene, Mr. Chris Spencer. What's going on, Chris? Hey, Bill. Nothing. How's it going? Not much, man. Doing all right. Doing all right. Was uh pretty excited looking into you uh, about doing this interview. So much uh, we could talk about. But I wanted to uh, first, just usually when I have somebody on for the first time, I want to ask, like, what did you originally want to be when you grew up? Oh, shit. I don't know. When I was a little kid, I... <laughs> I guess I wanted to be like a zoologist. <laughs> <laughs> and then when was it, about what age was it, do you remember that you first discovered music? Uh, my mother was in a bluegrass band when I was a little kid. 
So when I was about seven, I kind of just started just making little, you know, just doing stupid shit on guitar. Nice. So like, what was it that attracted you to guitar then? Uh, I don't know. I just really like music and my mother's in a bluegrass band. So there were all these kind of weirdo hippies who would, uh, who would teach me shit. So, you know, it was just easy. And then how about vocals? Oh, uh, well, once I got to be about 14 or 15 around there, me and my friends, since I was like 10 or 11, would we would jam in the basements of my friends' houses and buildings and whatever. And I realized that if you, if we had a vocalist, so, you know, we could do a show. We could actually play somewhere besides in the basement. Um, so we kind of looked around, but at that age, nobody is a vocalist, you know, um, and it was really hard and there's nobody, you know, so I just figured, I, you know, amongst us, I was the one guy who would give it a shot. Like we, uh, other guys tried, but just weren't into it. And I wasn't really that into it, but um, somebody had to do it. So I just gave it a shot. Nice. And then, so then once you started doing that, did you guys, uh, were you guys able to start playing out then? Uh, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. We played at our school and stupid crap like that, you know? <laughs> nice. And what was the name of that band? Uh, Ooh, I believe it was the first one. Very first one was amplified rice. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I always love getting like the, the names of the high school bands, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a nice pretty, list of pretty shitty name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, what attracted you to the, uh, or, or actually, like, you know, as as you went on to play, like, when did you start wanting to play, get in, get together with people to start playing more professionally and take it more serious? Oh, uh, I mean, I never really got there. Um... <laughs> Honestly, just me and my friends just played all the time uh, in school and stuff. And I started learning about cars and stuff like that. And I just bought like a cheap van um, that was a pain in the ass. Um, and we all kind of like I was actually later uh, in NYU film school. And I was being offered work at a rental house for 70 millimeter Panavision cameras. Um, but I had this crappy van and we were starting to get offered shows all over the place. And a friend of mine, Todd Cote had started booking stuff like around on the East coast, Northeast. Um, so at one point we, we were the first band he really started booking nationally. So we just kind of lived in a van and traveled around and made like 50 bucks a show. And we were all just super good friends. Like in between shows, sometimes we would actually just take the van out to a national park and camp out, just kind of, you know, make a fire and stay in the van and then move on to the next show. So we just kind of, we were just kind of gypsies living in a van, traveling around, just playing as much as possible. Instead of going to into a job in a rental house in New York, it was kind of like, all right, let's just fucking live in the van and travel all over the place. Nice. And then uh, what was this project then during this time period? Oh, that was Unsane. Okay. All right. Wasn't sure if, I, if Unsane started yet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And like, uh, 
you know, how did that come to be? How did that band come together for you? Oh, uh, just me, Pete, and Charlie. We were all friends in school. Um, and, yeah, we just started playing. We we got, we scored a practice space on Avenue B um, with the guys from Pussy Galore. And then Cop Shoot Cop came in. Um, so we just kind of fell into it. You know, we had a practice space with Pussy Galore, and that kind of opened some doors in terms of, like, playing at the pyramid club. And then like I was making cassette tapes that I would drop off at like CBGB's and Lismar lounge pyramid club, and just a bunch of like shit on the East side, you know, lower East side in Manhattan. Um, yeah, just fucking just, you know, just started doing it. We kind of would ask John Spencer if he had any tips. He told us we'd be touring in two years is what he said. Um, when we first started out, we didn't believe him, but, um, so yeah, just kind of, you know, you just, it was sort of a totally a DIY sort of maximum rock and roll. I don't know if you know that old rag, um, but one of those, you know, just really early shit where you just kind of make cassettes and send them out to people. But then we also had our friend Todd who was helping and trying to get us shows because the idea of calling clubs and sending them demos all over the country is a little daunting. You know, so we had help. Nice. And what was it that like attracted you to the New York, uh, like punk and hardcore scene? Uh, we lived there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't know. It's just, just our neighborhood. That was just kind of our neighborhood. That's where shows were happening. And every, at the time, you know, you could drink beer out of a paper bag. And, you know, we just, me and a lot of, it was kind of a whole scene. People would just kind of hang out on the street outside of clubs um and just drink beer and shoot the shit you know and then you just start meeting more people and things develop you know so but was there anybody in particular that you were like following at that time and you were like man i'm gonna be up there doing that too uh not really i couldn't imagine that anyone would like the music we made um (laughs) So, you know, it was kind of like, hey, can we get on a show with Mud Honey or, you know, touring bands was kind of what we were hoping for. But we just kind of gave it a shot. You know, there were no, I never thought this band would be like a big band or anything, you know. And then let's talk a little bit about that journey. Then, you know, you started getting out and touring and stuff and making connections and stuff. And then when did it start becoming like, you know, like, whoa, this is like something that we can do for a long time. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know, man. After a shit ton of touring, you know, just kind of like I was saying, living in the van, just kind of driving all over the place. Then the booking started getting better. We started getting opening slots for bands, touring all over the place. And then eventually, you know, after a few years, you get after a couple of years, really, uh, you you stop hanging out in your neighborhood so much and you end up on tour for like 10 months. It was kind of really once Matador started doing well, you know, uh, then our band got more exposure and we just ended up touring constantly for, I mean, there was like a four year period of time where we played over 300, 310 shows a year. Wow. So, you know, imagine we're just constantly touring and it's kind of a grind. It is really a grind. Um, 
but that's when you just it just kind of you just kind of realize like holy shit you know we are actually kind of doing it you know it's not really like you know this is what i want to be doing it just kind of fell in our lap you know so and then uh when did the the van get upgraded Oh, we fucking, we burned through like four different vans, five, I mean, over time, I think seven total. But during that period of time, yeah, we burned through a shit ton of vans. Um, you know, a van will last maybe two years and have like almost 400,000 miles on it. You know, you got to move on. <laughs> so like, let's talk about like the journey that, uh, where it's led now. Like when did, uh, human impact become, uh, a project that you, you know, uh, well, a few years ago, like maybe, I mean, with the pandemic, it was kind of, it had already been going for almost two years, but it was like me and Jim were old friends. Me and Jim were friends from way back, man. Um, like when we were in that practice space with Puss Galore, way back, back, back. Uh, and I'd always wanted to play with Jim. I re always really liked Cop Shoot Cop, the band he was in. Um, so like when cop two cop broke up i think it was like 97 um i had actually asked the guys in unsane if we could have jim join unsane and do samples and noise shit um but by then it was vinnie and dave um and they wanted to remain a three-piece so i got turned down um so i had been waiting forever to play in a band with jim um and i think it was yeah, it was like 2018. Jim just came to a show, an Unsane show in Brooklyn, and asked me if I would want to um, just do some shit with him. Um, and I, of course, said yes. Um, so we started writing some shit. And then he had been in touch with uh, Chris and Phil from, from Swans. And at the time, Michael Girard had said he was not going to do Swans with that band anymore, and he was moving on, so they, they were out of work. Um, so they just kind of joined up at that point, you know? So it's kind of, it's been really organic. Just everything's kind of fallen into place. So, you know, it's been a few years. That's kind of, you know, it's how it happened. <clears throat> now, you could correct me, but I think I read now that this has pretty much become your, your sole project um uh, no actually i've been i've been playing the super early unsane shit with two friends of mine down in austin that i've met i started hanging out with down in austin we started playing uh all the pete and charlie stuff like the very first record and singles record and shit like that um really we were just doing it for fun during the pandemic because there was a practice space in the house that i was staying in in my friend's house in austin uh eric cooper uh, and there was practice space there and nobody had anything to do. So we just started playing all that old shit, um, just for fun and did that for a couple months. I mean, we practiced all the time and then we, we were playing other shit too, but that was pretty much it. We wanted, wanted to kind of get a set dial in, dialed in and have it because, uh, the drummer is John from the band daughters. I don't know if you ever heard of that. Um, but we kind of wanted to do like sort of like we were on tour, you know, like uh, just play every day, six days a week. And just, you know, just for like mental health reasons. Um, so now we did a couple shows in Texas and it's looking like now we'll be taking that show on the road. So I'll be doing both the early insane cuts and human impact. 
Okay, and then that'll still be under the name Unsane then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, what, you can't really call it something else, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I thought I was reading something that you would, you you were done with Unsane and coming into Human Impact full time, and I was going to yeah. ask like how you could, you know, what it was like to leave something that you were so invested in the majority of your career. Yeah, but, I mean, I kind of I'm the guy who kind of started on I started Unsane when I was pretty young, um, you know, so. It's a little, you know, like, like I was saying, playing the early shit was fun. So we just started doing it and, you know, it kind of developed from there. I mean, no, I called Dave and Vinny um, and this is all material that they didn't play on, you know, that they weren't in the band at the time. Um, and they're cool with it. They're cool with us just doing this early shit. We're, uh, I have a label or me and Todd have a label called Lamb Unlimited that is reissuing all the super early Unsane shit. Um, so it makes sense. You know what I mean? Let's just go out on tour and play the super early stuff. And it's kind of, it's really cool, man. It's, it's, it's actually, if I didn't think it was good, I wouldn't be doing it. You know, it really, it kind of rips actually. So, you know, it's fun. Well, that's good. That's good for your longtime fans to hear too. Um, and then like, uh, let's talk more about like human impact. Like what is the, the the, like main uh, message and theme and what like, you know, um, went into like the creative process for, for this project. There's not, there's, I don't think there's really like a message, you know, I mean, people I've been getting that a lot. Um, I guess because of the name, you know, um, but <laughs> I've just been writing lyrics lyrically. It's really just been about shit that's going on now, you know, like in the States and globally and all kinds of crap. Um, so I don't think there's like really so much of a message. Maybe every different song would have, you know, maybe a different sort of message. But, I, you know, I you got to stay away from that because I don't want to get pigeonholed into, you know, we are the revolution of the planet, you know, kind of attitude. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Stupid. You want to be, you want to write songs about whatever you want to write about. You know, like if you don't want to be stuck like, oh no, what's my new, you know, topic of globalization? You know, you know what I mean? Like it's, so I wouldn't say there's like really a message. It's just reflective of what's going on right now to me, you know? Um, yeah, I mean, we're just musicians, we're just playing, you know, so I don't, I don't, I would not try and stay away from getting political as much as I think shit is fucked up. Um, you know, do what you can. Hey, baby, this is Double D, also known as Dream Daddy. And I gotta tell y'all something about our new sponsorship here at today's Who. And the name is Dream Nutrition. So if you're looking to empower your human vitality, well then you come to the right place. With over 12 years of combined experience in cannabinoids and terpene products, Dream Nutrition products include CBD oils, patches, protein, and so much more. 
The endocannabinoid system is believed to have involvement in regulating physiological and cognitive processes, including the immune system, appetite, pain sensation, mood, memory, and in mediating the pharmacological effects of cannabis. Support this veteran-owned and operated company today, and today's Boondoggle fans will receive 10% off their orders when using the promo code BOONDOG10 at checkout. That's B-O-O-N-D-O-G-10 at checkout. So go to the link. That's dreamnutrition.com forward slash discount forward slash boondog10. And remember, dream is not spelled like dream daddy. It's spelled D-R-E-E-M. And start saving today because you deserve to feel your best. And you know that's right. So tell them dream daddy and your brand from today's boondog sent you. Yeah, well, I mean, it almost sounds like it could be like a, you know, a venting or a ther- therapeutic process just to, you know, you can't bottle everything up. We got to speak it out, you know, and get oh, it out. I mean, Unsane was the same way. Both bands are, for me, the same kind of thing. I mean, that's kind of what music is for me, is to get shit out of my system, you know. I mean, I just feel really lucky that there are a lot of people out there who kind of share the same sort of, you know, disgruntled angst, <laughs> you know. <laughs> It's like I was saying before, I mean, I never thought anybody liked this shit, you know? Um, but actually, there are a lot of other people out there like me. So, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but I mean, what, what's good about it is, like, it seems like, you know, we live in a, in a time where it's like, you know, there can't be any kind of outside-the-box uh, discussions or you know, we can't talk about really anything about worried about being canceled and whatnot, but, you know, this is a way to, you know, throw topics out there, whatever's bothering you, whatever you're going through, somebody else can feel that and they can, you know, get it out too, I guess. It's somewhat one way and put to music. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like now, you know, with the internet and all kinds of shit. Everybody, everybody has their thing they got to say, you know what I mean? And it's kind of, I mean, that's cool, but you know, you know, music is more personal. You know what I mean? It's kind of like you, it's your, what you just put out there and, you know, hopefully somebody can relate, you know? Yeah. It's so much easier to uh, put out your thing, I guess, behind a keyboard without like filtering it, you know, and thinking about it, you know, once you hit send, it's, it's gone. Oh, so yeah. it's, <laughs> so it's mean, good. Also, once a record is out, it's out, you know? <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. I mean, the record itself, I, I just like throughout the whole, my whole career, whatever, it's just kind of write lyrics and, me- and music about shit that you're feeling at that time. You know, every record is sort of a reflection of a certain period of time. Um, for better or for worse, you know, deal with it later. You know, some shit I'm like, oh my God, what have I done? You know, but um, at the same time, what can you do? That was a period of time in your life. So, you know. exactly. And then, like, what was the, like, who came up with the name Human Impact and why, why was um, that chosen? I did. Um, we were, we tried a shit ton of names and, 
nothing was working, but I kind of, I just, I mean, I put that out there. The guys liked it. Um, I think it's good in terms of the times we're in right now, you know, um, and it, it kind of has this dual meaning to me, you know, like there's not just the impact of humanity on everything, but also sort of the, you know, uh, what I think of is a, a guy jumping off the roof of a building and hitting the sidewalk, you know, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so there is something of a dual meaning to me, you know, so whatever. Gotcha. But it's like, it's almost like, uh, from what I gathered from some of the music, it's like you're, you're holding a mirror up to our faces and like some, there's some things we don't like to look at within ourselves that we have to admit are like maybe character defects and stuff we have to work on as human beings. Yeah, I guess, you know, I mean, it just, it is what it is. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Maybe you don't have to improve on yourself, but maybe just realize that, you know, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but, uh, you know, there are lyrically, there are definitely some things that are like, this is kind of fucked up, you know, but yeah. I think the shit that, I, you know, I may be wrong again, but I kind of feel like a lot of people see what I'm saying. I'm talking about, you know, like, like contact, the song contact was written before the pandemic. And it's all about a virus that travels internationally on planes and fucking, you know, what would that be like? You know, it's sort of a, hypothetical thing and here we are you know it's we've been dealing it for with it for like two years now so you know damn you've been hanging out with the simpsons yeah <laughs> right yeah me and bart <laughs> <laughs> and then like uh what's it been like now i mean you guys are working with uh ipecac records and stuff how'd that come to be and uh well ipecac had put uh put out an early on you know uh visqueen unsane record um, so I knew the guys, Greg Workman and Mike and stuff. Um, uh, Mike had asked me at one point at a festival in like Belgium, he had said, Oh, Hey, can we put out an insane record? And that's how I kind of met them. Um, but, uh, <clears throat> so I knew them from before and I, I kind of thought that this, that would be a good label for this project, you know, because they have a lot of different shit on the label. You know, and it's not uh, it's not just pure metal or, you know, like Southern Lord or I mean, Southern Lord has some other shit, too. But, um, yeah, it just seemed like the right a right fit, you know, and it's really honestly worked out well. Like now they don't we don't have to do it record by record, you know, like we just kind of write whatever, do whatever and can make videos and put shit out as it comes and then once we accrue enough shit then uh then we put out a record you know what i mean like ep01 is is shit from before the first record and after the first record um it's kind of just shit the you know that we just kept writing i mean for example for the with the tour coming up uh you know a couple weeks um we're going in in minneapolis right in the middle of the tour we're going to take a day and record in minneapolis and do hopefully like four songs. And so then Ipecac can just kind of do those as singles, you know, and it, it's kind of cool. Shit has just really changed. You know, just like with Unsane, a lot of times I would, you know, actually just really write a record specifically. This is the record and we're really doing it just to have this, you know, 40, 45 minute, you know, piece of vinyl 
or whatever. Um, now shit just kind of keeps going, you know, just pieces at a time. And, and then you can put them together and also thematically sort of work on it as a whole for the record, you know? So, but uh, Ipecac's cool with us just run, keep running our mouths for, you know, as long as, as long as we want. <laughs> nice. Tell. Yeah. It's not, it's not like where you sign a deal for two records only, you know, they're like, no, you guys are cool. Do your thing. You know? That's awesome. So no micromanaging and stuff. Let the artists do their thing. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. Real good. And then like with this, uh, I mean, have you gotten to play any of this stuff live yet? Or is this going to be the first time with this tour? Uh, this is our first actual tour, but we like, we did, God, man, we did a show. What was like March 14th, 2020, the last day clubs could be even be open in New York, you know, for the pan when COVID slipped in, uh, which we only played because they were live streaming it. You know what I mean? Like that show would have pretty much been canceled. And actually people came, which is kind of interesting, even though the that was kind of the super high point for the fear of disease. Um, yeah, people actually showed up. And so that was our last show. We had played one other show before that. So we've done like two shows. That's it. The the uh, We had multiple tours cancel during COVID. So, you know, we're trying to do some makeup work here. Yeah. And then is there like a particular track from that you guys have done that uh, you really was like your favorite to play live or you're looking forward to fans hearing live? I mean, I'm looking forward. I look at the set as one big goddamn song. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to doing the set. You know, I'm really, I'm psyched. I mean, Contact is really punishingly fun to play, you know, because <laughs> um, it really is reflective of what's been going on, you know, in my life anyway. So. Gotcha. Yeah, so during this tour, you guys will be coming to the Cleveland area, playing the Grog Shop, I believe, uh, December 11th and stuff. Um, now, you guys, you you played the Grog before with Unsane, correct? Oh, yeah, tons of times. Yeah, I thought so. The old one, you know, before they moved and everything, like way back, you know. Okay, yeah, yeah. You probably played Euclid Tavern, too, then, back in the day. Oh, yes, we did. All right. And then... Um, so like going forward, what, what kind of goals do you got set for yourself and, and the band? Oh shit. Well, just tour as much as possible, you know, tour a bunch, uh, put out more, more shit, you know, really. I mean, that's all, that's all I could really aspire to is tour other places. That's one, one aspiration places I haven't been before. Like I really, I'd like to go to South America. Um, you know, just try to open new doors, places you can go and play. So, I mean, I, honestly, after this whole fucking pandemic thing, I just want to play every goddamn day. So, you know. Yeah, get back play. in that van, huh? <laughs> yeah, totally. Just play as much as possible, you know. Nice. Well, cool, Chris. I, I, I want to ask you some of the questions I normally ask my uh, guests on here. Um, who, are, who are some of your top three musical artists? Oh, shit. I mean, in the classic sense? <laughs> Just, yeah, I, I mean, whoever. All right, I would say, 
I would say Hendrix, Jimi Hendrix, Flipper, Joy Division. Nice. And then is there a particular song that you feel has inspired you in life that's like a go-to whenever you're going through a rough time or whatever, you put it on and it, you know, never gets old? I mean, there's a song on, do you know, it's Brian Eno and Harmonia. Uh, It's called like Tracks and Traces, I think, 76. Um, It's electronic stuff, really super early, 70s, 76, Um, electronic stuff. But they have an opening track on there called Welcome, which if you ever feel uncomfortable or stressed out or anything, you can put this on and suddenly you're, you're relaxed. So there you go. Nice. I'm going to have to look that one up, man. (laughs) So it makes you feel welcome. Huh? (laughs) Well, yeah, it does. I mean, it was all written in Berlin in the seventies and it's a pretty oppressive, dark winter in the winter place. Like I lived there for uh, not that long, a year and a half or something, but, um, it's the kind of thing that like soothes depression, you know, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's sort of like, it'll lift you up out of this dark hole you may be in, you know? So I think that's when they wrote it. I think that was the context that they were writing it from. So, you know. Nice. Well, yeah, as you, as you said, we're about to enter into a dark winter. So people need a playlist to help uh, pick them up sometimes during that oh. period. Yeah, it's very soothing. It's not like, yeah. you know, you know, there's always I got a right by Iggy. That one's always, you know, <laughs> always hitting home. But um, you know, well, the way that's the way of the world, you know, things like that, flipper. Um, you know, there there are a few, but they're all different kind of shit, you know. So nice. And what's the last book you read? Oh, uh, I think it was, I can't remember the name. It was uh, Herman Hess. Uh, shit, I don't remember the name. I think there was like, I was reading Steppenwolf. I was kind of reading like three books at once last, a few weeks ago. But um, yeah, last maybe Steppenwolf by Hess. Yeah, I, I find myself doing that quite a bit too. I'm picking up one book and I'm getting through it. And then it's like, all of a sudden another one catches my eye before I finish the other one. So yeah. Yeah. And I'll read one when I'm laying in bed and then I'll read one kind of hanging off the porch or, you know, <laughs> it's yeah. like, whatever. And then what class do you feel should be mandatory before graduating high school today? Mathematics. And not using your phone. And all that stuff. That <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, no, that's, you know, yeah. Math. Just any, any kind of, any of the various math, you know, <laughs> stuff. Nice. And then uh, talked about, you know, all the touring you guys did. Is there a particular band that you had the most fun with that you're out on the road with? Oh, shit. I mean, I had a really good time. A long time ago, we toured with Neurosis. And we all shared a bus and that was like, we were all just kind of brothers. Like, and we were doing this for like two and a half months all over Europe. Um, and we were, fu- we got to be super close friends and every night was fucking awesome. Uh, so neurosis was one of the most fun, was nice. the most fun possibly. Yeah. 
And then who are three people who have inspired you or you can credit for making you the person you are today? Oh, my God. I mean, nobody would know them. You know. My grandmothers <laughs> and my mother. <laughs> you know, like nobody knows these people. What? Yeah. No, that's fine. I always like getting people's responses, though. And it helps them, you know, look back and remember, like, you know, people that gotten through like mine would be the same like my dad my mom you know stuff like yeah, that yeah. You know? family you know so for sure but uh but you know a lot of times i get like some people say about you know a particular like you know teacher that they had in life or oh, you know yeah, yeah I can see <clears throat> and then uh any causes or organizations that you support and would encourage others to check out oh shit i mean no <laughs> no no not really i don't i'm not involved with any cause or any kind of no i'm kind of busy <laughs> i don't know no yeah, doing your own thing and then uh favorite toy as a child favorite oh the evil knievel thing the one with jump yeah. that you wind up and it fucking shoots in the air and fucking yeah. evil bites it again yeah yeah Really good. That is awesome. That is the the most. Uh, I I've gotten that answer the most out of oh, really? all the interviews I've done. Yeah, yeah everybody comes back and loves their evil Knievel. bones, you know, flying off the motorcycle and everything. It's really good. <laughs> <laughs> and then you got any message that you have for our military members currently serving overseas? Oh my God! Stay safe, man. Be careful. <laughs> you know. Keep it up. Stay, stay alive. Thanks. Well, Chris, man, thanks for your time. I really appreciate you uh, coming on. You guys will be coming through Cleveland area, December 11th, playing the grog. And uh, I'm glad you're able to get back out on the road and help, you know, spread some, uh, some angst or light through the dark, you know? Thank you. Thanks, Bill. And then uh, real quick, before I let you go, you mind doing a favor for me? What's that? Caught a promo ID for the show. Just introduce yourself and you're listening to today's Boondoggle. Uh, hi, this is Chris Spencer and you're listening to today's Boondoggle. Awesome, Chris. Thanks a lot, man. Appreciate yeah, your time. Cool, man. Thank you.
Brought to you by today's Boom Fights back, the one I crawled on. Yeah, that was with Brewer. With Brewer. Right. That's when you, when you took, when you took a nap in the aisle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the lady comes by with a drink. Card. <laughs> first class. The hell? I'm like sitting up in the first class row. We're all dozing off. We're so drunk. We're, we're dozing off before no. the plane even takes off. Oh, yeah. No. Oh, yeah. So we're half asleep. I wake up and I'm hotter now. And I had to take a piss really bad. So I, I get up. And instead of going like, right around the corner to the bathroom in the front of the plane where I was at? No, I'm going to go to the back of the plane. So there I am, walking to the back of the plane. Next thing I know, I'm on my knees. <laughs> I get just about to the end of the seats, and I'm right he on my He decides to take a little nap. The bathroom door is right here. But I'm right on my, I couldn't move. I could hear everything going on. I could hear uh, Art sitting there going, oh, he's all right, just leave him alone. He'll be okay. And the stewardess is rubbing my shoulders going, sir, sir, are you okay? We can't you can't lay here in the aisle. aisle. You can't lay here in the aisle. And Art's going, oh, he's okay. Just leave him lay there. He's just going to take a nap. I could hear all this, but I couldn't move. Coleman so finally, the, the co-pilot now is, sir, you got to get up. You can't lay here. Are you all right? And he's shaking me. And finally, I'm like, yeah, 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 I'm all right. And I reach up and I grab the bathroom door handle. I'm like, I just got to go to the bathroom. And I get up and I go into the bathroom. They shuffle me in there. And I close the door and I'm like, wow. Splash, <laughs> splash water on my face. I just splash water on my face. Got clear. He didn't even pee. Yeah. <laughs> And I felt great. And I opened up the door, and they're standing outside the door, like, waiting for me. And I opened up the door, and I'm like, I'm okay now. He comes out, he's like, <laughs> I walk back up to my seat, and I sit down. And Brewer, or, Brewer. Yeah, Brewer's sitting right next to me. And I wake him up. Our flight's coming close to the end, you know. And they're, man, please get back in your seats. We're going to make a landing here. So I wake him up, and I'm trying to tell him this weird, out-of-body experience I just had. Like, I went to the Twilight Zone and back. And I'm like, Mike, you'll never believe what happened to me. And I'm talking to him, and he's not really paying attention to get all done. And he's like, that sounds weird, but can you do me a favor? And I'm like, what? He says, when we stand up, I'm going to tie my leather around my waist. I think I pissed myself. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm like, yeah, Mike, I got you. So he, he, we're in the front of the plane, so he says, as soon as this thing lands, we'll do that door, you know, we shadow me out of here. I'm like, yeah. So he gets up and stands in front of me, th- from his neck all the way down, which is saturated. I'm like, Mike, that ain't pissed. Because if you'd have pissed, you didn't piss off the back of your neck. They turned it so the, they had the heat. They had the heat on like 200 it freaking it, degrees. It, in it. it just wiped us all out. I tell you, I well, that was the same flight. He was soaked. I he tell was soaked no, the other flight, the other flight we were... Thank you for listening to another story time from the VFW Hall, brought to you by Today's Boondogger. Thank you for listening once again to today's Boondoggle Radio Show. 
please be sure to check out our website, domaincle.com or todaysboondoggle.com for more shows and check out our archives. Follow us on social media at Today's Boondoggle on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter for more information about this podcast. And please support us on www.anchor.fm forward slash Today's Boondoggle as well as on our GoFundMe and Venmo. Be sure to subscribe, comment, download, and listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spreaker, and all the other podcast platforms out there. Please email us with any questions, suggestions, and comments via todaysboondoggle at gmail.com. Leave us some five-star reviews and help spread the word. Thanks again for listening. Thank you for tuning into this week's Today's Boondoggle. Domain Cleveland Entertainment is a veteran-owned and operated cornucopia of nonsensical shenanigans. You can find interesting interviews, music news and information, and just about everything else in between. Thank you again for supporting, sharing, and tuning into Today's Boondoggle. Today's Boondoggle.